When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets Antenna Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have a national indoor semifinal recap edition of The Deciding Point. You know exactly what we're talking about. It's what we've been focused on over the past week here on The Great Shot Podcast feed. The Women's Division I National Team Indoor Championship Final now officially set. We are walking out of Seattle with a first-time champion. As the University of Michigan Wolverines will take on the Oklahoma State Cowgirls, each team needing their best to advance through today's semifinals. Two really fun matches for us to break down on today's show. Of course, we also want to preview that final. That's coming up tomorrow, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. There is no Super Bowl conflict, so all of you fans better be tuned in. Oh, by the way, we got one other piece of news, a result to address. UNC lost a second time this weekend. We can't leave today's show without talking about that a bit. And thankfully, joining me on tonight's podcast is a man who has joined me all week long to break down the action. Of course, you all know him best as the returning champion of returning champions here on our Crack Rackets podcast, founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog and podcast. Of course, he is our beat reporter on the ground everywhere, including this week in Seattle, where I'm so fortunate to have gotten to spend a couple of days with him. It is our dearest friend, John J. Parsons, joining us once again. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Isn't our sport an absolute delight? It is quite the delight. And you know what else is a delight? I haven't gotten any compliments on the dulcet tones of these <laughs> hotel room vibes. So thankfully for all these listeners, it's not that late. And so I don't feel the need to be as quiet and smooth and ASMR-like. So delight all around. I'm a little bit disappointed you won't just do it for me anyways because you know I've enjoyed the, that voice these past few nights. So sneak it in. Come on. Whenever That's you the off-mic stuff. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We'll say that exactly. That's the in-person interactions over these past few days that we've gotten to enjoy. I will also point out it's always fun to have an audience for these shows. We have that today as joining us on the Zoom is a man who is responsible for turning the cameras in our enhanced broadcast of these national indoor championships. Of course, he is also our trusty intern for all things Crack Rackets, Instagram, and social media at large. I have been so fortunate to have the opportunity to have traveled with him over the past few events. And unfortunately for him, I think he stuck with me moving forward because he just gets the rhythm. He gets the vibes. It's always a pleasure to be joined by Owen Alderman, our intern joining us on the line. Owen, you enjoying your time in Seattle? First national indoors for you, right? First national indoors, second straight weekend with you, Gruskin. It's <laughs> it's wearing on me. It's great to be here, though. 
No, it's fantastic to have you on the show. We get a lot of compliments for the Crack Rackets Instagram, and I want to be clear, I revel in all of them, but you should, listeners, know that a lot of that work, it's Owen, it's Eli Mercer, who, uh, another person behind the scenes, another intern who we're so fortunate to be able to work with, Archit Suresh, Richard Mai, obviously others as well who contribute, appreciate the job you guys do, and at some point on tonight's pod, I am going to pick your brains for some opinions, Owen, so appreciate you joining Jay and I, you can help keep us in check, or if you like one of our jokes, always feel free to unmute yourself and say, hey, that was a good one, fellas. Uh, So with that in mind, again, Owen is joining us here tonight. But Jay, more importantly, our national indoor championship is set. It's Michigan versus Oklahoma State. Let's break down how we got there. Let's go chronologically. Let's start with the Michigan Wolverines, who very clear what their goals were entering this season, right? This is a group with veterans across the board, three seniors who've experienced just about everything there is to experience in college tennis. Obviously, now they get to compete in the national final, but keep in mind this core of Jaden Brown, Kari Miller, Gala Mesajarito, they were on Michigan teams that didn't even get to host a kickoff weekend event. As recently, by the way, as last year when they had to go to Stillwater to play the kickoff weekend. This is a team that really for the first time last season as a nucleus got to host not just the round of 16 match uh, during the NCAA tournament, but got to host the first two rounds of NCAA play. And thus, Again, to have this sort of narrative arc for a core, to see that development over four years, obviously such a special moment for the Wolverines, for it to be their first national final uh, under head coach Ronnie Bernstein, who obviously 500 plus wins for the Wolverines, her success speaks for itself. There's all of that to get to as we look at what the Wolverines accomplished on Sunday, but more importantly, from a tennis perspective, this is a signature win for this group because we were wondering yesterday on the show, would there be an emotional hangover for NC State? You come off a 4-3 win over UNC in the most dramatic fashions of possible. A match that went three and a half hours long and maybe as much mentally draining as perhaps, you know, or physically draining, excuse me, as it was mentally. And yet I thought NC State was really sharp in this match. I thought Michigan was forced to play their best tennis and ultimately did when things mattered most. Now, again, match calculus-wise, the Wolverines take the doubles point. They get a win 6-2 from the freshman Piper Charney. Reese Miller at the three spot. Obviously, NC State responds. Rejecki Zimpardo pretty much in, uh, in front for most of that one. 6-3 at two. The real throws at one. The seniors, Jaden Brown, Kari Miller, down a double break, three love deficit in the opening of that number one double set. They come back, win six of the next seven games, 6-4 decision. Wolverines take the doubles point. Obviously, a lot of good singles matches to get to. I'm not going to do the whole monologue because I want to hear Jay's thoughts. But in the end, the match calculus goes uh, first. Julia Fliegner, Piper Charney win simultaneously for Michigan at the two and six spots. Wolverines go up three love. Rejecki was so good today, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that here. Straight set win over uh, Kari Miller. I almost called her Reese. Kari Miller to level things 3-1. Then there was a lot of drama. In the end, Lily Jones, three set win at five. I guess where I want to start, Jay, as we unpack this match, I do think the quality of play was tremendous. We watched different matches (laughs) because uh, you saw what North Carolina did this morning, right? Where they sure. came out, lost doubles, lost six first sets. 
you remember that they played that NC State team who had to show back up and play Michigan today, right? This NC State team did not come out with the same energy and quality of play that they did against North Carolina at all. And there were several spots in particular where that was not the case. Abby Rinchelli, not the same player who took out Carson Tangillig yesterday at all. Her movement, not there at all. Also, uh, Anna Zeranova, Jaden Brown played fantastic to save off those match points, but she started really slowing down towards that second set. So NC State definitely had a hangover in this match, and I don't think came out nearly as sharp as they did against North Carolina. So that's an interesting counter. And I concede that from an energy perspective, you're absolutely right. They were a little flat to start. We didn't get as many Rejecki roars as I expected in the doubles, certainly, even though her and Zimpardo, they looked really good at two all weekend long. And again, the size, the weapons of that group, that's a team for Coach Earnshaw, Coach Secker to work with all season long. Um, You're right. Like, you didn't hear many roars versus the Wolverines who were bouncing from the start, as they always do. the first point, yeah, 100%. And that played the biggest factor. But I guess to me... What my what I was trying to convey is I thought it, this match was more about everything the Wolverines did right as opposed to what NC State maybe didn't have in the tank. Now, you're absolutely right, like physically and maybe it's just I was so focused. I just I've never seen Julia play like that. You know, I've known Julia since she was like seven years old and to see her the weapons on display to see Ranchelli just overwhelmed by that. You're right. That probably did have to do with some fatigue from having to play that thriller yesterday against Tan Gillig. But I, I guess that's what it came down to is Michigan never let up. That was my biggest takeaway when I say this was a, a really well fought match is just you saw a veteran team keep that energy level from start to finish and earn their way to this national final. Yeah, I mean, we said this yesterday. Michigan is the steady Eddie. And I thought that they were continually relentless throughout the match, continued to put the pressure on. I actually found this to be for 85% one of the most boring matches we had seen really? throughout the duration of the tournament. Really? Absolutely. Why? Explain because, this to me. Because they they win doubles and it was so clear. It was two, five, and six. And there was zero question about it two, five, and six kept trekking along, trekking along. And it wasn't until the very end of that second set where Lily Jones, I think, ran into a little bit of a speed bump. Maddie Zampardo showed some sign of life. Then they split sets. And then all of a sudden it got interesting. But the duration of this match, it was very clear. This could be 4-0 very, very quickly. There was very little intrigue in the match up until that split sets. I guess the problem is how we experience the matches, Jay, because I'm jumping from set to set to set and how it worked for me. So I'm glad we get to unpack this because we do thoroughly disagree about this and it's rare that happens. So I'm glad we get to have this experience here. It's our first disagreement of this national indoor period, Jay. The in-person honeymoon phase is over. Um, The way the course of this match worked, you're absolutely right. Fliegner won her set, Julia, sorry, won her set at two. 
you know, Piper wins a 6-2 set at 6. Lily, what was it, 6-1? Six, uh, six, no, 6-4. Six, but she was up pretty early and pretty big, yep. I believe, in that opening set. You're it right. It felt like she was up a break the whole set. Absolutely. And then she gave that break back. You're right. Broke for 5-4, closed things out for 6-4. Six, uh, six, Good call by you. That said... As that Lily Jones first set tightened, yes, she got over the finish line and ultimately it was three sets for the Wolverines. But in that same vein, all of a sudden, Sophie Abrams in a really tightly contested set, 6-4 over Mesa And by the way, that was the highest quality match without question in this one in terms of two players playing near or at their best. I thought Sophie Abrams was lacing forehands in that one, Jay. You can pushback perhaps if you disagree but like just to finish this point quickly Abrams takes that first Zeranova in what was a very much back and forth you take a break I take a break match all match along with Jaden Brown she takes her 6-4 you know again after going down an early break Amelia Rejecki closes out a 7-5 set over Kari Miller it did feel like NC State was starting to flip some things. And by the time they get all of those first sets again, now Zimpardo and Lily Jones are in a really competitive second set where Zimpardo has creeped out a break. And all of a sudden, some doubt starts to creep in, I thought, if you're a Michigan fan, knowing, okay, this NC State team has earned four victories after dropping a doubles point. They did it yesterday, and now they start to have some momentum. I guess that, to me, is why... It wasn't a boring match. Fundamentally, it's because Michigan went on their run, NC State responded, and it ta- it took Jaden Brown finding something extra in the gas tank on three. It took Gala finding that gear she always finds at four. Lily Jones finding that extra gear at five. Like I didn't think it was boring at all. But the thing was that none of that mattered because it <laughs> okay, was interesting for fifteen percent of the match. So like for eighty-five percent, it was. Super straightforward. There was 15% of the match where when Zampardo split, and then if if Zeranova got off the court, if Abrams got off the court, the thing was though is that where Michigan had their leads, they kept their foot on the gas. Like it was very clear Fleekner was not losing that match. It was very clear Piper Charney was not losing that match. And in the matches where NC State did go up, whether it was a Zeranova at number three, whether it was Abrams at four, Michigan was the one coming back. So throughout the entire duration of the match, there was really no question other than that little blip when Lily Jones dropped that second set. So for me, because the goal here for Michigan was to get three singles, that was never really in doubt. Certainly when Jaden forced the third against Zeranova and shout out to Owen Alderman who got a fantastic shot of the face of Jaden Brown and her teammates coming to swarm her after that. And you could just see Michigan felt like we got it. It's over. This match is ours. And, you know, again, Gala was in a breaker. It was five all in that third set breaker with Abrams. But, you know, again, I think Ronnie said, you know what? I don't know if she said it on their off the record, so I'm not going to say what Ronnie said. But anyways, if you're a Michigan fan, you feel pretty confident in Gala is the theme always in that moment, even though I thought Abrams played Again, I thought that was the best match in terms of competitiveness uh, across the six we had. The crazy part here, Jay, is it's another match for Michigan where they get wins at five and six. And what's the difference between good versus great? It's depth. It's how do you perform at those positions. It's do you have points you can turn to consistently and say, we feel like we can win this flight against anyone. Now, the Lily Jones revelation at five, and again, she's 3-0 and right now, penciled into the all-tournament team spot, given what those contributions have meant to these Wolverines. 
But like between her and then Piper being this good, this fast at six. And by the way, she gives you that little extra dose of wild card, as I said, that every team needs just that energy, that enthusiasm, that we're here to win. You know, again, je ne sais quoi. If you're Ronnie Bernstein, again, to get back to where I started this conversation, the through line of this group from where they were in the doldrums of COVID destroying Big Ten women's tennis to now they're in a national final. What a moment. Well, and you let us off by talking about Kari Miller, Jaden Brown, and Gala Masaharito, who were part of those deltrums of the big 10 women's tennis but guess who found the singles victories today not a single one of them (laughs) and so this michigan team to your point and what we've talked about on this show is that every single person and yesterday it was julia fleekner who was the lone non-contributor in signals she gets a big win today gets that out on the board and so yeah they have been able to find wins throughout every single position yeah, and again, Jaden forcing that third set was kind of when you thought, okay, maybe now this 3-1 lead for Michigan is going to be too much to overcome because NC State's going to need three third set victories. Again, what a moment for the Wolverines. First national indoor final in program history. On the flip side, Jay, I guess just to finish this thread, I still come out of today impressed. Like, if that's your level after three and a half hours, and remember, it's February, and now this team gets to go off of this weekend and say, here's where we need to improve after a match like that moving forward, because dare I say, come May, all the matches might be like that UNC 4-3 thriller. You get that sort of experience. You also get the data point of, hey, over the past four years, we have been the best school in doubles in the nation, and we lost two doubles points this weekend one and two overall that ain't gonna be the case come may if you are a betting man on this nc state program and that that's where they struggled at times at this event that is a scary proposition for the rest of the country because you know coach earnshaw led teams they're gonna be ready for doubles come may you know highlight point number two Amelia Rejecki, I know I've said this about a bunch of different players on these shows, but she's the best player in the country. The weapon she has, it's just different. The ball she hits is different than anyone else. And there was a fun moment, in case you're curious. I always say if you're going to talk about someone privately, do it publicly as well. I went up to her today and I said, I just want you to know, you're really good at tennis. And of course, in her typical way, she's like, oh, thanks. Um, And she was that good today, Jay. You have that as data point number two. I was impressed by everyone. Zeranova, who's a de facto freshman, she's playing some great balls. Zampardo is clearly a talent to enjoy for college tennis fans moving forward. Abrams' level got better and better, I thought, in every match she played. Yeah, Rinchelli had an off day, but I'm going to bet on the senior and what she's brought energy-wise to this group this weekend. What do you grade the Wolfpack after, again, you thought it was an—I mean, again, is the uninteresting nature of the match— it conveys from you that you didn't think NC State played their best? I think it's hard. It's very hard to play your best coming out there 24 hours after yeah. being the number one team in the country who has been your arch rival for yeah. the last two years. And we knew that that would be a massive disadvantage to this NC State team. And so I feel like if they play this match on neutral ground, no hangover effect, the result could be very different. You have to give them an A for what they did against North Carolina at this tournament. And the fact that Zira Nova and Zampardo both got this experience at the national level. When you combine that with the experience of a 
Rejecki, of a Rincelli, of a Sophie Abrams, you're really looking for one more piece. And Gina Dittman wasn't really able to fill that role over these past few days, unfortunately. But yeah, I think you come away feeling good for NC State because you know exactly what you need to work on. Doubles and a few of those holes and singles. Absolutely. And here's the best part. Thursday, February 22nd, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Clear your calendar. NC State is traveling to Ann Arbor to take on the Wolverines. So we're going to get that rematch that, uh, again, it will be a fresher NC State team. You'll wonder, you know, again, 10 days later, where are the Wolverines going to be? Who, by the way, next Sunday, seven days from today, play USC at home, noon Eastern. Like we talked about their scheduling before the season. This was a team. The goals were very clear. They're going for it. And, you know, now they're going to get that shot to win a national title, Jay. Yeah, we said this when we were previewing Michigan and we were looking at their schedule. I have no idea why these teams are going to Michigan after indoors. (laughs) Like I get the USC thing. They're, you know, moving into the Big Ten and going to have home and homes with these schools. And Michigan wants to come out to L.A. That probably happens next year. Like, I get that. I have no idea why NC State would go to Michigan 10 days after indoors. And I was reminded of that today. It was pretty shocking. But, yeah, we're going to get this rematch. Yeah, maybe they want to thrill the fans. Maybe, again, you didn't anticipate we were going to play in the semifinals of the national indoors. And it's not even the rematch. It's just like, I'm not going back indoors no, again. I like, know, it's time to the put question that is, in the rear view. Would they be outside for sure, though, if it was in uh, Ann Arbor? Like, what if this is, again, a home-and-home home next year post-indoors Michigan goes to NC State and that match is outdoors? It's like, that's very possibly in the cards, Jay. I mean, again, not to push, not to hold this point. You're, I don't disagree with you, by the way. It is fascinating, given where we are today, to see that scheduling. But it makes a lot of sense to me if I was back in June, July, August, or whenever this was made, and the Wolverines and NC State Wolfpack want to play. I think that's a good thing for all college tennis fans and uh, to enjoy. So we'll get to see that rematch. But on this instance, it's the Michigan Wolverines advancing to the final, where they will get a rematch with a team that handed them their lone loss of this. 2024 season. Of course, it's undefeated Oklahoma State who, and I asked this to Chris Young on our interview after the match, just is it in the back of your mind that you have now clinched a top eight seed and the road through the NCAA tournament now runs through Stillwater? And he goes, you're damn right it has. Like, absolutely for this Oklahoma State team who on its own, their victory today over Stanford, remarkably impressive. The Cowgirls, 4-2 winners. They take the doubles point. Uh, they get victories from Sophia Carrington, Christina Novak, straight sets four at six. Three-set clinch from Miami Miyamoto, 6-love, 2-6-6-2 over reigning junior U.S. Open champion and superstar freshman Catherine Huey at five. There are a lot of different things to talk about as we unpack this match, Jay. But first and foremost, let's talk about that big ticket item. Regardless of how tomorrow goes, yes, Chris Young, celebrate the road to the NCAA tournament for the pretty much guaranteed to run through Stillwater now. And that on itself, we know what sort of magic that can be. Go back to the 2016 film when they made the final, Jay. By the way, today to beat the team who beat them in that 2016 final. Stanford, a team who, by the way, also knocked them out of last year's NCAA tournament in the round of 32. I mean, again, everything I said about Michigan, their core, where they've been over these past couple of years, that could all apply to these cowgirls as well, not hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament last year after hosting the kickoff weekend, all these different things. 
What a moment for the Cowgirls, Jay. What was your first read on this match? Well, it was a massive win for Oklahoma State. You referenced the 2016 NCAA final. This is the first win for Oklahoma State over Stanford in program history, a team that has been knocking them out of many of these matches over the years. And what was most surprising, just reiterated when I look at this box score, is Oklahoma State sweeping four, five, and six. And that was one of the big takeaways for me about this Stanford team is we talked about the depth that they have. I mean, they have 2023, 2022 girls, 18s, hardcore winner, Elena, Yu on the bench for this Stanford team, their depth should be outstanding. And on paper it is that four through six has not really looked good here at indoors and they get swept four, five, and six from Oklahoma state and their big three, Angelica Blake, Connie Ma, Alexandria Bifanova have all looked really strong in different ways over the past few days. But yeah, this Oklahoma State depth is also very real. And that was probably my biggest takeaway. I would like to see this match outdoors because that match at six in particular would just be different. Christina Novak is too aggressive. The weight of her shot, too immense for the forehand of uh, Valencia Shoe indoors. That was just a tough matchup for Stanford and it spoke everything. Novak's undefeated on the season. Uh, Chris Young said it on the broadcast interview. Her versus Piper Charney might just be the bat- battle of the best number six singles we have in the country right now because, I mean, again, oh my goodness, was Novak excellent today? And wasn't that level on court number six spectacular to just think that that's the number six singles position to pick compared to what I remember seeing even as recently as two, three years ago? Just speaks to the way college tennis continues to improve. The Catherine Hui match to me, you know, again, by the way, <laughs> I really enjoyed speaking with Sophia Carrington today. She's very funny. Shout out to her. I appreciate her having fun with our Cracked Rackets team. That's another matchup. Like the weight of her serve, her forehand indoors, there was nothing Blokina could do. Like Carrington was just so in rhythm today. And for the fifth year to do that after the three-hour battle against Texas yesterday, where from a set and four love down, she comes back and clinches it 7-6 in the third. Mickey Mouse no more. Like, Sophia Carrington, you are the real effing deal. And it's just a reminder, like, hey, she played as high as one at LSU during her time there. Don't forget that this level's within her. Those weapons are just going to work. I would have liked to see that match, though, outdoors, because I do think that would be better for, for Blokina to be able to get some more air under her shots, do all of these different things. The five singles match to me was the most fascinating because there was just no rhythm either way. You know, again, such the scoreline tells the story of runs. Six love, two, six, six, two. I guess big picture why I bring that up, Jay, is it's an inconsistent performance from a freshman in her sixth week on the job. That's going to happen no matter what your pedigree is. I, I, like, are you concerned? I, I mean, again, we're going to do the Oklahoma State celebration side here in a second, but you brought up the Stanford point. I still think, that, like, outdoors, this team is going to be a nightmare matchup, Jay, because I think the way Oklahoma State was able to exploit them were very much tied to the conditions this match was played in. Yeah, I mean, none of these players play outdoors. Yeah. They don't play, I'm oh, sorry, indoors. Yeah. Indoors. They don't play indoors at Stanford. None of these players played indoors in juniors. This is a team of essentially all Floridians or Californians with the exception of Valencia Shoe at six. No one has indoor experience on this team. And so you always have to keep that in mind when they play this event. 
certainly came into the picture last year and this was an improvement for them absolutely outdoors yeah it's an absolutely different match i think you outlined some of the matchups in particular that would probably change so on the stanford side of this you probably feel you feel good because some of your best players are playing great i really think connie ma is playing the best she's played since making the ncaa singles final which is fantastic news for stanford and you have to believe that outdoors Valencia shoe will be a lot better blockina is much better outdoors than she is indoors and Catherine Huey, she's still got three months before they need her at her best yeah the backhand for Huey, there were times when it was wonderful it also sprayed a little bit for her today again that's where the inconsistency i thought manifested itself more than anything by the way yepa finova was down for love in that second set or four one to kajuru comes all the way back six three seven five wins that in straights I mean, her weapons indoors. Come on now. That's just a re- always a pleasure to get the chance to watch Yepafanova compete. The flip side, though, of course, is again, Oklahoma State beats Stanford in doubles, four, five, and six. That's a dream recipe, a dream start for Oklahoma State. I think I'd coach Chris Young because, again, Komar Kajuru, they're top 20 players in the country. I know Lucia Pyre lost in straight sets today, but... Did you see that backhand pass that she hit to, I think it was break back for 3-4 or whatever that scoreline was exactly? And I thought she played well. Connie was just on another level today at 2. Komar loses that first set but digs her way to 3 to kind of create some time, some you know give her teammates opportunities to close out their deals. Michigan, Ohio State, UCLA— Pepperdine, Auburn, Texas, Stanford. Those are eight signature wins, and it's February 11th, Jay. The road to the NCAA tournament runs through Stillwater. Yeah, some might say stop the count. (laughs) And, you know, I think they already have plenty of wins to, you know, you only need eight before uh, or nine so they're going to be in fine position but a few notes i want to talk about this oklahoma state team i don't think we're spending enough time on sophia carrington we saw what this north carolina team did today we saw what nc some of the nc state players did today for her to show up the way she did today after winning seven six in the third late night against texas last night it was remarkable and yeah she played one at lsu she never looked like she looks right now. I mean, the serve, the forehand, it is some of the biggest weapons in college tennis. I would love to see her and Rejecki go at it with Carrington at her best because watch out, duck and cover. But there was nothing. <laughs> Change balls that, every two games. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. I mean, and Blockina, I thought, played well. I mean, she really scrapped hard. She played some incredible defense. Again, outdoors, she'll have a little bit more time. But Carrington has been a breakout star for me at this indoors for her to do what she has done these past few days. So huge credit to her. And I think on doubles as well, this Oklahoma state team hasn't dropped a doubles point here at indoors. That's very impressive for them. They have three very solid teams, particularly Komar and Kajuru to get the six love win today over Blake and Blockina. Things are rolling for Oklahoma state. I'm, I appreciate you doubling down because you're absolutely right. There was an inside-out forehand she hit. I want to say it was in the first set breaker, 
the one where like again it ended up on Connie Ma's court and oh, she the, hit, yeah the yeah. angle I have that yeah. video I need to post it you have the video oh yeah. please will you will you CC me this time would you do please <laughs> Jay uh, because that was ridiculous like that was like what is this match doing at four sorts yeah. of ridiculous and again it's one thing to be this good on paper. But you can legitimately say now, and all due respect to Pyre, who I just want to see it more at the top of the lineup, but in Komar, Kajuru, Carrington, and Novak, four players who like have all played number one and all like could be number one players in other teams' lineups. Not saying, by the way, that uh, Pyre or Miyamoto couldn't because, of course, they could as well. You just haven't seen it as frequently as you have from the others. And it's just like a stark reminder today that all these players have that sort of experience. I guess that is my takeaway is that we talked about the parity within Oklahoma State's lineup. Well, that manifested itself because they all played top 25 tennis across the board as opposed to just, oh, everyone's in the top 100-ish range. No, this team was exceptional from start to finish. The Miyamoto match was weird, but you need one weird one to define any national indoors semifinal, and certainly it provided that. And now, Jay, again, it's a rematch of a matchup we saw second weekend of the season. A matchup, by the way, we broadcast it on our Crack Racket stream on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, of course, Oklahoma State won that matchup 4-2 in Stillwater. What was it? Five weeks ago. And, you know, that was a matchup where Oklahoma State takes the doubles point. Oklahoma State got a straight set win from Komar over Kari Miller at the number one spot. Pyre, a straight set win over Jaden Brown at the number three spot. But then Michigan came back fighting. Julia Fliegner, straight set win over Kajuru at two. You had um, Piper Charney, that straight set win at the number six spot, albeit against Raquel Gonzalez and not Christina Novak. Obviously a big switch uh, for the Cowgirls coming up this weekend. And then you had two three-setters, Gala Mesajarito, you know, Sophia Carrington, two people just brimming with main character energy. Like if it comes down to that match, Buckle the seatbelts. That would be delightful. Of course, you've got uh, what was a three-set match then between Lily Jones, Ayumi Miyamoto. Certainly feels like Jones has stepped up her level in the weeks since then, and it's not as though Miyamoto has dropped off. She just clinched her team spot in these national indoor finals, Jay. Oklahoma State, I believe, 3-0 and thus far on the week in doubles. Michigan now 2-1 and overall on the week. You know, both Komar... Miller haven't had the best weeks at the top spot. So certainly, again, there is intrigue across every single position, every single matchup. What's your read as we look at Monday's final? What are your initial thoughts? Well, I want to add on to the narrative that you started out with because let us not forget that last kickoff weekend, and again, kickoff weekend is the path to this national indoor event. Michigan went on the road Mm -hmm. to Oklahoma State. And here they are a year later playing in the indoor final, the paths that these two teams have gone to get there have been very different, but nonetheless, they both find themselves in their first ITA indoor national championship. So it's exciting. What's interesting about this match is this Michigan team is a lot better than what, where they were five weeks ago specifically some of the early season struggles they had with Jaden Brown in singles and Lily Jones, both players who lost matches against Oklahoma State, they are playing better tennis. 
Jaden Brown, probably still not back to her top level yet. Lily Jones looks every bit the Lily Jones that we saw at her best her freshman year. So that's really intriguing to me. The other thing that's intriguing is that Michigan dropped the doubles point against Oklahoma State. Guess what really helps playing doubles? Having a massive crowd in Stillwater indoors. The other thing that Michigan's done is they've changed their doubles lineup since they played this. They'll still have Jaden Brown and Kari Miller at number one, but at number two, they had Anna Ross and Reese Miller. And at number three, they had Piper Charney and Lily Jones. They've flipped those things around. Those were the two doubles matches that this Michigan team lost to Oklahoma State. So there's a lot of momentum for this Michigan team. However, Hmm. That said, there we go. I think Oklahoma State takes doubles. They have looked very solid throughout. They have three and zero on the weekend. I don't think Jaden Brown and Kari Miller win at one, let alone it's the six three scoreline they did last time. So I think Oklahoma State takes dubs. However, I do feel like there's there is going to be a significantly larger Michigan State crowd. There is basically just Chris Young's family in the stands here for (laughs) Oklahoma State. And Michigan has a lot of fans. They are traveling really well. So I think Michigan takes dubs. I will pause there and get your reactions. That was really well done. I liked every point you list out. I thought you did it in a methodical fashion as well. You're right. The Michigan crowd, they traveled well to Seattle. And Dr. Fliegner, I believe, was on call tomorrow. That is no longer the case. He will be here in Seattle to watch his daughter compete in the National Indoor Final. They're all sticking around, obviously, a massive moment. I'll tell you what, though. I know there are families in Stillwater. I am sure there will be people here tomorrow that weren't here today now that the Cowgirls have made this final that will get on whatever flight they need to get on tonight to be here uh, for that match tomorrow. That's the sort of institutional support they have. That's why they're hosting the NCAA tournament come May. That's a good point. I do agree with you in the sense that why you would lean Michigan, it's not just about the crowds in the stands. There's an energy to this Michigan team that they are the in-your-face team of destiny, that they play with that extra 10% that we love each other the mostness that you see emerge amongst successful college teams over the history of this sport that just, I think, makes sense in a lot of ways to fans. It feels familiar, dare I say, uh, to those that have followed this sport for the past decade or plus and That's not what Oklahoma State does. It's not that they're not loud. It's not that they don't support each other thoroughly. When Carrington's ripping winners, she's roaring. When Christina Novak's doing her thing at six, she's roaring as well. But, you know, that's not Obi. That's not Komar. They let their racket do the talking. That's not Miyamoto either. For Michigan, you know, the only time Piper Charney is louder than when she's on court or Julia Flinger when they're on court is when they're off court supporting their teammates. The moment their matches are done, they're jumping, they're bouncing, they're doing all the things. Um, That is why maybe I think one would lean Michigan in doubles is you just feel like they're going to have that energy out of the gate you need in a national final. But like Oklahoma State's undefeated in doubles at this tournament. You know, Kobe, uh, Kobe. Obi and Komar, Kobe. Is that their nickname? Is that, did you just, did we just the new stumble nickname? into it? <laughs> Shout out to the fact that I can't speak anymore. Can I call them Kobe on the broadcast tomorrow? Do I have your permission? I don't know if it's my permission you need, but I like it. Well, I think we should ask the youth vote. Owen, you're coming in on this podcast. You're our resident young person. 
Can I call them Kobe? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> You're, uh, you'd be sounding a little old, but I, I would lean no, but <laughs> okay. I, I smiled when I heard Kobe. So, uh, okay. I don't like that you're leaning no, so we're going to leave it on the podcast for the listeners. Only, maybe we'll ask Chris Young, who, by the way, again, I love, comes up to me and goes, hey, I heard you thought you'd rather be Texas after we were up 3-0. And I was like, ah, oh, someone, someone snitched. Um, did, did someone snitch the ball boy joke? Yeah, he said it was funny. Oh, okay. That was uh, let the record show, uh, which I appreciate. And he also goes, it's funny because we won. So shout out to you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, look. That's that's just the other fun fact that I wanted to add in is I do think that's the energy component that screams Michigan takes dubs. But like, have you watched Carrington and Novak at three? They're ridiculous. And the weapons they bring indoors and two fifth years, 10 years of experience versus a combined eight months of experience in college tennis. Like that's why I would be really hesitant to lean one way or another, because, yes, the teams have switched. But and as good as Piper and Reese have looked. It's freshman versus fifth years there. One doubles is just going to be really good freaking tennis. And then when Ross's serves landing, it's a hold on the board for Michigan. But Miyamoto and Gonzalez have as much experience as any duo out there, like including Brown and Miller. So I don't lean one way or the other. I just want to roll the balls out and play right now. Like there's, you can make an argument, I think, for all six doubles pairings. Yeah, I mean, you can. I will say, like, yes, Michigan reads as very complete. And that is what, I mean, and also just a credit to this team. And many people comment, this is not a slight on any of these Michigan players, but the way that they've developed over their time at Michigan, to shout out to the developmental nature of Michigan, not all of these players came in as the number one or number two recruit in the country. And the way that they've developed is really special. And you feel like they've developed and they've risen up together. And that's why you see them be so complete. So I, I still lean Oklahoma State in doubles, though, because of what you mentioned at three, that experience, those weapons, Miyamoto's special out on the doubles court. So that I lean Oklahoma State, and I'm now I'm ready to go through these singles matches. Well, that actually so, thank you for the clarification because I forgot that you stopped your point. At, here's the argument for Michigan, but here's why I lean Oklahoma State. Yeah, I like again, ten versus ten versus eight months. Like that's the yeah. number I keep pointing to. And if you if I can point to one flight, that's where you lean in a doubles point. At the same time, it needs to be worth repeating. You know, they just beat Ren Shelley and Broadfoot. Uh, Miller and Charney, and they did so comfortably at that three spot. They are, they're not your average freshman, both older sisters with experience in this game. They've been around it. So let's be clear, as I alluded to, you can make an argument for all six doubles pairings. John Jay Parsons leads Oklahoma State in the doubles point. Jay, give me your breakdown of singles. So number one, I don't think Comar has looked as good here at indoors as she has looked in Stillwater for the duration of this early part of the season where she really has looked like the primetime player. But you saw her turn that on today, tonight against Angelica Blake, where down a set and it was like, okay, I, this is time to turn this thing around. And just the weapons, the athleticism, you saw that was overwhelming for Akari Miller against a Rejecki today. 
you have to imagine the same thing happens against Komar. It was what, 6'2", six, 6'4". Six, Kari Miller, fantastic player, but doesn't have the the weapons to compete with uh, Rejeki or Komar. So I lean Komar here. I also think she's just a primetime player. I just think she's going to step up in these big moments. And she has the weapons to serve, one of the best ones we have in college tennis. So I think her shots are going to land, and I think she takes it at one. It's a fair argument. Give me two. So this is where it gets interesting because... <laughs> I thought Liebner, one was interesting. I just want to be clear, but carry on. Well, Fleekner hasn't looked, I didn't think, great in her early matches here at indoors. And for her to have beaten Kajiru pretty convincingly last time was a surprise then. It is still a surprise now, but I guess I have to lean Fleekner well, here. Let me ask you this. Do you think we get Kajuru at two or Lucia Pyre, who is at the two spot today? Well, uh, maybe you know for sure. But well, I'm I asked Chris Young this question. That's the reason I bring it up in the press conference, uh, in the post-match interview. Excuse me. Why did you make that switch? What were you seeing? And his answer was, look, as good as Obi has been, I saw Lucia not just in practice every day, her results over the summer, over the fall, and he was very clear, I don't want her to feel pigeonholed in that number three spot. I'm, he plans on giving her opportunities to play up in the lineup throughout the course of the year. Now, maybe that's coach talk, but maybe, Jay, he's, he is on to something. Like, I thought Lucia Pyre's level today was certainly worthy of that number two spot. Connie was just on a different plane Maybe you switch up those matchups, just given the fact how comfortable that first victory was for Fleekner and Stillwater. That's why I pres uh, present the thought. Well, it's not coach talk. It's politician talk <laughs> <laughs> because he wanted to avoid the Kajuru kanima matchup. Kanima won that match in about 35 minutes when they played in the fall in the Battle of the Bay Classic. So that was the reason for, for making that move. No, what I was going to ask you, though, is I'm under the impression that you can only change your lineup once for one match. Oh, that might be very true. That's, and I, I think, think you're correct. I think Chris Young just wasted that move because it oh. didn't pay off against Stanford because they were win they won it two and three anyways. So I do think we'll see Kajuru versus Fleekner because that's how they're submitted in the lineup. Shout out to you. That's a good uh, memory of the rules, Jay. That's why we like to have you here. So why else is too interesting? Because Fleekner hasn't looked as good as... She did elsewhere, but I guess I have to go Fleekner here. I don't have a lot to go on because Kajuru has looked up and down. She's mm -hmm. lost and... I think she's so, one and two in these, or oh, oh, two and one maybe. Yeah, so I lean, I lean Fleekner in this. The next one, three, is again a repeat of what we saw. Mm -hmm. Pyre versus Brown. I lean Pyre again here, even though I think Jaden Brown... Yeah, is much more competitive. You can throw out that first one. It's a completely different match. Even though the serve for Jaden's not quite back to where it needs to be, it, she her level, and more importantly, her confidence is completely different, particularly after these past two matches this weekend. A hundred percent. And maybe a little bit different if she had gone down in straights today. For sure. and then For sure. Uh, but to get, I mean, that save match points, she's riding very high right now. But I do think the level from Pyre is better than where Jaden is right now. Okay. This next one for, again, it would only be tennis gods if this match comes down to Gala please. versus Carrington. Yeah, please. Because we haven't seen either of them lose here, and they it's didn't for the all-tournament spot. 
It is 100% the all tournament spot. I mean, I actually have my one, two, and three already locked in for all tournament team because I don't think it, any of those players are competing in the final. But this one, it, the winner of this match, number Reje- four. Rejecki Ma, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably and about you, right. You period. L- yeah. Lock it in. 3 0, yeah. all of them. But for this one, it's winner take, winner take home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gala versus Carrington. This one, I just cannot predict. I've not seen Gala Fair. lose. And so I can't predict this one. Miyamoto versus Jones. I lean Jones in this match. I feel like Miyamoto has a lot to trouble Jones, but she's playing really well right yeah. now. So that's hard. And then Can I just say, and it was a three-set match when they played the first time. All the angles. There is like, I wish we could clean the court beforehand, like, and then under a UV light afterwards, be like, here's all the spots they hit. Like, literally, they found every possible inch of the service box to hit those out wides and play the slices. And I just want to say one thing Miyamoto did really well in their match in Stillwater. She kept pressing forward. She kept pressuring Lily Jones, forcing her to pass her. And I do wonder... Like, Lily's just moving better. She's hitting the passing shot more confidently. She's moving the ball herself around the court with so much more freedom. Miyamoto is not going to be able to dictate as easily. And again, these are two players who can just do a little bit of everything. So, again, like, it's going to be really good. I apologize for interrupting you. No, you're going to see a lot of everything in this match because kitchen sink match. Yeah, Miyamoto wants these rallies to get outside of that two-handed strike zone for Lily Jones on both sides. So you're going to see a lot of action here. And then number six is where we'll get a new matchup. We will, we will get Piper Charney versus Christina Novak. Also for the ATT all-tournament team? 100%. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yep, this one as well. And even five. Now, mm. I think it's probably... I have to. Th- I'd have to look back at maybe some of the other fives, but... That one could be a play-in as well. Four and six for sure are play-ins. And, um, no, four, five, and six. Let's keep in mind, Oklahoma State just beat Stanford with four, five, and six. Michigan beat Virginia with four, five, and six. They beat NC State with two, five, and six. Yeah. I, bottom half no, of the lineups is where these two teams have separated. That's why, again, these breakdowns have been so fascinating because that's where these teams have thrived. There are all tournament team spots, obviously national championship trophy on the line, but just want to reiterate those stakes for our listeners. Yeah, no, you're right. I hadn't done the the number five matchup, but yeah, yeah it makes sense. And Charney versus Novak's going to be really good. Look, Piper Charney is Jen Brady light her freshman year. Like, to a T, the looks, the, the demeanor on court, like, it is very similar. She's going to have, she ha- has extremely high upside right now. She's fantastic, and she's only going to get better. She's already gotten better in the last six weeks. I can't imagine what she'll look like in May. So this one is tough, but just because I saw, I've seen so much of Charney and I've seen some of the ups and downs over the course of this weekend, I have to go Novak, who has just looked lights out in every single set she's played, where we saw the Lanmi experience, you know, kind of deliver some chaos there with Charney. So I lean Novak at six. So that would be doing the math there. I believe your pathway for Oklahoma State doubles one, three, and six, which, by the way, uh, makes a lot of sense given I, I, I thought that was a very thorough breakdown. The other set is worth pointing out again. Fifth year for Oklahoma State at four. Fifth year for Oklahoma State at five. Fifth year for Oklahoma State at six. Now, Michigan's got a senior at four, but it's sophomore freshman at the five and six positions 
it is it's just so fascinating because you can make a case for both of these teams being teams of destiny this season obviously for Oklahoma State they've got the NCAA tournament coming to their home soil for this Michigan team they've done everything but at this point win this sort of title compete at this sort of stage so a first-time champion is walking away, Jay. Your prediction, it sounds like 4-1, 4-2-ish Cowgirls. Final thoughts on our final. Well, give me a 4-3 final. Come on. <laughs> okay. you know, well, that I means felt... Carrington loses, by the way. Well, or I'm not I'm not right. <laughs> or you're wrong. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. And no, you're right. You're very right in your breakdown. So it has to be that strict. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me 4-3 because I felt like our semifinals, we had a little bit of a letdown from the dramatics of the quarterfinal day. But look, this is a weird match because I do feel like my head says Oklahoma State, but my gut is says Michigan. And it's, again, and we talked about this off mic, but just the atmosphere and the buzz that Michigan has is not there with this Oklahoma State team, nor Stanford in that second semifinal. So head says Oklahoma State 4-3. Gut says Michigan that this feels a little bit more revenge match for them. And I typically go with my head. And maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm going to go 4-3 Oklahoma State. All right. I, you know, once upon <laughs> because this is dedicated to you, Simon Earnshaw, once upon a time, uh, Chris Halioris came on here just to spite me and picked Michigan as national indoor champions just to, again, try and get in my head. I thought you were about to do that right there when you said maybe my head will be, uh, you know, maybe I'll be wrong for not going with my head this time. I thought you were about to do a reverse on us after listing out the argument. This match is going to be really fun. And here's what I'll say one more time just to wrap up our thoughts before I go to you, Owen, because I want to hear your prediction, your lean as well. It's the fourth time these two schools are playing in the last 14 months. The cores for these two groups, I know the the positions have obviously changed. For Oklahoma State, it's a little bit different. But again, you saw each other five weeks ago. Like The coaching staffs will have the scouting reports for all of these players. And by the way, maybe we should go through that matchup as well, Jay. Ronnie versus Chris, your thoughts? Um, No, I just like – don't, by the way. Please don't. Uh, I love them both very, very much. And so – fans um it's a fascinating moment for both programs like when's the last time we had a first time national indoor champion jay it's probably been a long time more than half a decade right because the last time someone not named north carolina one was georgia 2019 and that wasn't their first right it's been a while and we get to walk away with that so i'm thoroughly excited owen alderman final thoughts from you on this final prediction match calculus well, I have a bet with the uh, volunteer assistant, Zach Schwenning, that uh, if Michigan wins, I have to put out a video on my Instagram story apologizing to Michigan. And I can't say, go Bucks at my club tennis sectional tournament next week. But I, I actually do think Michigan will take it. I really like how they look at two and three in the doubles. And I, I actually really think Oklahoma State looks great at one fabulous like broadest and chen did and then i think you're underselling michigan at five and six i i've been pretty impressed by how underclassmen have done so far at this tournament lily jones is three and oh i believe she won against cal then yesterday and today and then 
Charney's look great. And then other freshmen who have done well, Chavez just won tonight in the comeback. Audrey Spencer won tonight. Radman's miracle that she pulled off yesterday. So Zampardo, another one you could throw on that list. Yeah, she lost I mean, Zampardo looked also real looked good. really good. So I think that I think Michigan has it. I think it. I think Michigan's going to win the doubles, and I think it's really hard for either team to win four courts of singles. And so that would just tell me that Michigan's going to win it, as much as it hurts to say for a Buckeye fan. Fair enough. And again, worth noting, I believe Jack Schwenning, your former coach, if memory serves me correct. Yes. Yeah. So he stepped up a little bit uh, in his time since working with you, to say the least. But more than anything, you hear it. Again, 4-3 seems to be the lean across the board it's a rematch, and it's really hard for those sorts of match. They usually go two of one of two ways, Jay. It's either a four-three thriller or it's a four-zero blowout, right? There's never like that middle ground, four-one, four-two in those rematches in the first two weeks, at least in my experience. We literally just got that four-one, four-two experience with Michigan, Virginia, and their fourth straight win over Virginia. Okay, but that felt four-three-ish, did it not? With all again the drama of three first sets here, three first sets there, like it may have finished four-one, but did, are you telling me that felt like a four-one match? Well, you said 4-1, 4-2. It felt like a 4-2. It did not feel like a 4-3. It did not. Okay. We yeah, got, you know what? You're we right. Got, yeah, thank you. Okay, I can, was, see, yeah, I was really going to lay it on. But yeah, I'll, you know what? I heard a comic. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to give him this one. He's probably right. Let this one go. I'm hoping 4-3. Obviously, I don't have a lean one way or the other. I get to be in the broadcast booth for it. 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Come join us on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel for our enhanced broadcast experience. Last but not least, Jay, and it's fun because we were started early enough that we could have some fun here talking about the final, but we got to talk one more thing before we go. And we're going to break down all the consolation results, biggest winners, biggest losers, biggest questions. By the way, Jay, I'm plugging this now as a tease for the listeners since Owen's here. He has been subject to my scheming of late, an idea he and I came up with, uh, I believe, I don't remember when I sent him the text, but a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do five trades that we'd like to see made, hypothetically across rosters. What are trades that make sense you'd like to see to just add to the competitive balance across the nation? Just a fun segment, the sort of thing 2018 me would have done, Jay. Uh, We're going to have a show dedicated just to those trades after these national indoors as well that, yes, Owen, you will be a part of. So what I want to know going into this podcast is – what are we going to allow as tradable? Are we going to allow? Are we are we able to trade nil donations? <laughs> or, you know nil funds. Are we able to trade recruits? Are all I'm, I'm saying just, is if you can come up with a I'll trade David Secker to this school for two players and it makes sense, you'll have my attention and a spot so on I this could show trade, moving forward. You know, if I'm SMU, I could trade my nil fund for. <laughs> You know, many great players. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Um, the point is, Jay, before we go, one other thing we got to discuss. For the first time since, what, 2012, 2013? I forget what the exact year was. You sent the tweet. UNC loses twice at the National Indoor event. It's also, I believe, the first time since 2012, correct me if I'm wrong, that they lose a 4-0 match, uh, Jay. And it was strange startling. It was breathtaking. It was jaw-dropping to see Virginia, not just 4-0 UNC. They won doubles 
They won six first sets in singles. They won three straight set matches. I understand no Brantmeyer. I understand no Scotty. I understand Thea Rabman, the freshman, was really banged up and forced to step into the singles lineup today because, again, they just didn't have another option to turn to. But, oh, my God. Like, it's a paradigm shift. It really is. Like, we come out of this weekend now. There are just points everywhere to be had. They're going to be ranked like seven, eight. I don't know where they're going to be in the rankings in this first computerized edition, Jay, but I'm sure it will be its lowest in much more than half a decade. Breathtaking. Your reaction. Well, the rankings piece is a whole different conversation. This is going to be a whole mess of a rankings. I mean, some of these teams that were at indoors might be outside the top 20. (laughs) Some, you know, like it's going to be be loud. Yeah, the only teams I feel really good about are Oklahoma State and Michigan. Tomorrow's final is probably a play-in for that number one spot. But yeah, it will be interesting. The we've I have never seen North Carolina look like they did today in 15 years of following college tennis. It was shocking. And it was not just emotional hangover. Like every single player looked totally physically spent or injured and like in ways that they did not yesterday it was i mean the attitudes were nothing like i've ever seen from north carolina it was really really shocking but it's also kind of good to see because it feels like this North Carolina team for so many years has been hellbent on perfection in January and February. And that's not when you win the NCAA title. And you saw this last year when they lost later in the season to NC State. And it just feels like they are going to need to go through some of these trials and tribulations elsewhere in the season to be excellent and have perfection in May. You see it on the men's side with Virginia, where they find a way to be their best in May. It's going to be a learning experience for North Carolina. We said this yesterday. We've never seen North Carolina in the last, never had a season where North Carolina doesn't win indoors that you and I have covered. And this was a whole new experience and how they bounce back from this and how they move forward without a Brant Meyer for who knows how long it's going to be very interesting to watch. This team was spent. It was the weight of everything this team has been through. You felt like for a decade, just on the faces of these players. And it hurt to watch. Like it was uncomfortable because it was just overwhelming. Like you could just tell again, these are people like they're individuals who experience all of these emotions. And yeah, Carolina, you could see the devastation in their performances everywhere. And look, they tried to fight back. Like Crawley, Yogata found these second sets. And, you know, again, there were pushes there, but they were spent. You said it so well. And again, you talked about it being a good thing. Can I just say as a human being, it is so refreshing and dare I say beautiful to see people care so much about something, to see someone be so devastated by something in a – you know, I'm not going to get philosophical here in a time when people are just jaded and all the, but like, that's why we love this sport, right? Is to experience those emotions so viscerally, so purely. And you got to with this UNC team today. Now, again, this match means nothing 
in the long run for the Tar Heels. Oh, no, it's not another individual. Uh, you know, again, the indoor sne- uh, streak is snapped. But you know the one team that earned the credibility to have the streak be snapped on them? It's the team that's brought home your first NCAA title. Like, of all the teams for this to happen to, had this happened and this team lost to NC State last year, now maybe we're hitting the panic button. But that's not the case. You're absolutely right. It feels like this weekend is now the emotional reset of like a 10-year run where it's like, hey, all right, we've hit – let's just refresh. Let's restart this season. Let's reapproach everything. Let's approach May as the time when we know we have to peak because we sure as hell didn't do this February. Um, Yeah, it's just – it was – and again, shout out to UVA. You still have to beat the Tar Heels, and they thoroughly did. Heba Shake again, exceptional at the number two spot. And that she was at two speaks to the you can only change the lineup once rule, so you were for sure right about that, Jay. I mean, again, for Chervinsky, who lost a tough one to Lily Jones yesterday to come back and beat a Riley Tran, who was so good uh, on Saturday night. I forget who was the third win for UVA. I think, or who was the other singles victory? Oh, Collard at, at Collard, five, oh, or no, six, excuse me. Yeah, um... Yeah, like, again, shout-out to UVA. Shout-out to the points now. There's just going to be some points everywhere. The everywhere. rankings are going to be chaotic. But you just felt—it it felt—I've never felt a full tennis building feel like a balloon has popped for everyone. And you could just feel the balloon had popped for the Tar Heels so thoroughly. And it was striking. And I said this yesterday. I'll say it again today. The best part of this all— is it's February, and now we get to see this core bounce back. Oh, and by the way, Jay, we're never doing a Pepperdine UNC number one. We're just never going to do a number one pot again. We're just not going to record those in the off season because all they do is get us into trouble. Like, this is two out of three years, Jay. We <laughs> yeah, we have a problem. Um, but yeah, like, I, you're stunned. You're like it, the fact that we're talking about it on the semifinal recap, final preview podcast. It was that dramatic of a moment final thoughts belong to you yeah it was a nice moment what you talked about where people really care but I also think it's okay to lose and I feel like this North Carolina team for a decade plus has just been like wringing their fists like trying to win these matches and it's okay you know like you don't need to be the best version so early on and i think you said it best where this feels like a reset for them both physically mentally and we saw what they did after losing to nc state last year they went on it was probably the best thing that could have happened to them i don't know if they win that ncaa tournament had they not lost that match so this north carolina team will be just fine they have so many talented experienced players they're going to be fine I'm fascinated to watch it all unfold because, again, massive weekend for Virginia. You know, again, the ACC is back. NC State back in the mix. Virginia back in the mix. Who said it was a down year for the ACC and that the SEC was going to reign supreme? Was it people on this podcast? That Um, take after this tournament, not looking. Yeah, Jay, we had a rough offseason. That's (laughs) actually not true. I stand by a lot of what we said because directionally we were right on some things. But, yeah, ACC is back. Like, Never deny the stats. Never deny the history again. You got to see it to believe it for some of these things. And again, I just saw UNC lose doubles, six first sets, and two matches overall uh, throughout the course of this national indoor weekend. 
That said, we still got one more day to go. We have our national final tomorrow. Again, Michigan, Oklahoma State. First indoor title for either program on the line. Very likely number one ranking for each program on the line. An outstanding match that we are thoroughly in, uh, looking forward to presenting to all of you on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Again, starts 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Obviously, a shout out once again, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an any job he has done day in, day out, whether it's again for our broadcast, for these podcasts, whatever it may be. He just always is there to help ensure all of us fans get the experience we so thoroughly deserve. A shout out to you, Owen. Work at the cameras as well. You make the experience better for everyone. Any final thoughts here on your Great Shot podcast debut? Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> by UNC being flat. Yeah. The the in between doubles and singles heels on C, UNC heels was when I knew they were going to lose the match because it was the least enthusiastic. I didn't hear Abby Forbes, the, just anything. Yeah. So okay. hopefully they'll come back stronger from this. See, these are the observations. That's why we keep them around, folks. You're absolutely right. And again, those are the little details he'll be sharing throughout the course of Monday's match on our Crack Rackets Instagram. So thank you, as always, to you, Owen, for taking the time to join us. John Jay, I get to see your smiling face in person one more time tomorrow. So thank you to you, as always, as well. But with all that said, for our fantastic co-host, John Jay Parsons, our intern, Owen Alderman, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. I apologize I didn't prepare you, Owen. So, Jay, take us home. What do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. Owen, you want to tell it to him as well? Great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.